yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen from around the world? Welcome to episode 12 of the Sailor Jerry podcast, brought to you, of course, by the one, the only, Sailor Jerry Spiced Rum, 92 proof, bold and smooth as hell. My name is Matt Cothran, and I'm still your host. What's going on out there? How's everybody doing? Life is moving way too fast at the moment. Somebody please slow it down. Dear God, so much going on. All good things, all blessings, but I'm the type of guy who likes to be present. And lately I've been finding myself in a motherfucking spin cycle of hustle and flow, and it's all good. But goddamn, man, Sometimes it feels like life is just flying by. And that ain't cool, man. I want to hit the fucking pause button. And I want to enjoy that shit. You know? I want to enjoy it. But it's all good. Just try to be as present as possible. When I can. In the midst of the madness. And if I am fortunate enough to get that little break. That moment to come up for air. It's important in those moments that you appreciate and reflect on the life that you're living and the air that you're breathing and the friends that you got and the family that you got and the opportunities that you have on this earth and all the energy that's traveling around you and the ocean and the stars and the sky and the desert and humanity, baby. It's a beautiful thing. It's overwhelming if you let it get to you. But it's all good. We're pushing forward, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on out there with you? What's life looking like for everybody out there? Summer's coming. Hell yeah. It's time for some cocktails, some ocean water. Get that salt on your skin. Get that natural exfoliation. Your boy started jujitsu. That's right. Old ass man starting jujitsu, rolling around with fucking... MMA freaks and other lost old guys just trying to fucking do something different. If you didn't listen to episode 11 last week that we snuck in in honor of Fleet Week with our amazing special guest, UFC champion Josh Barnett, I expressed to him that I was going to try this. I was going to start jujitsu and I fucking did it, ladies and gentlemen. It felt good to fucking say I was going to do it, be uncomfortable, and still fucking do it. And it's all good. We got a new Bronx song out this month, a song called Watering the Well. It's an old school rocker. I'll play a little snippet of it before we go into our interview here. That's all good. People love the track. People digging the record so far. Bronx is playing Riot Fest out in Chicago, September. That's going to be crazy. Chicago's one of the greatest cities in the fucking world, man. Shout out Riot Fest. Headliners on that are insane. Nine Inch Fucking Nails. Are you kidding me? That's going to be so fucking badass. Anyways, I'm rambling at this point. It's time for episode 12. Dan Lamb is breathing new life into the world of American sculpture. In this awesome episode, we celebrate her unmistakable style and unique background. We also explore her latest works, 
bond over our mutual appreciation for the unexpected, and dive deep into two of my favorite topics, self-expression and smashing creative boundaries. So gather your materials, pour yourself some Sailor Jerry, and let's go. What's up, Dan Lamb? How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So how's your day going? What are you up to? My day is good. I got to the studio just a little bit ago and, you know, just working on catching up on some commissions, prepping for probably the next show, you know, just always staying busy. But otherwise, the day is good. Nice. Nice. And are you, uh, where are you at? I'm based in Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Nice. Nice. Awesome. And you are, uh, you've lived in Texas most of your life, right? I read you were born in Vietnam. I was actually born in the Philippines, but my parents awesome. are Vietnamese. Okay. Um, but yeah, I pretty much grew up in Texas, uh, Houston, you know, when I was a kid, and then Dallas, Fort Worth area for the most part. And then I, I moved away for a little bit when I went to Arizona State for grad school. But that's it. Nice, nice, nice. So what do you like better, Houston or Dallas? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, personally, I think Dallas is better. Uh, I think Dallas is just like a maybe like a better looking, I know people are, it, the people in Houston are probably not going to like this, but I think <laughs> Dallas is a better looking city, but Houston has like really, really great art and really great food. We have good stuff like that here too, but you know, Houston might have that on us. I'm a big fan of Texas and, you know, obviously they're both amazing, amazing cities, but you know, you're right. It's like Houston does have, you know, they have a little bit more of the, uh, you know, maybe the, the cooler kind of culture, you know, the better food, mm-hmm. they got such a good history of hip hop and just, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. just a little bit, I think a little bit crazier in Houston, a little bit more unhinged, but you know, Dallas is such a classic city and Dallas has come a long way in the last like decade or so, you know, it's like, it's, it's gotten yeah. pretty fucking cool. For sure. I don't know if you are on Reddit, but you know, there was like a week ago, there was like some pictures floating around of like all the progress that has been made in Dallas within the past like 10 or 20 years. And it's pretty crazy. And the city's still growing. It's booming. A lot of headquarters are like, you know, moving to this area. So there's a lot of people moving here. Same with Austin, of course, everyone knows about Austin, but um, the same kind of thing is happening in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Austin at this point is just, it's absolute insanity. Like if you go there now, it's just, it's still an amazing uh, city, you know, Shout out to Austin. They got a lot of great friends out there. And there's obviously for the music industry, it's a very important city. But man, now it is so overblown. It's just business on top of business on top of business on top of business. And they got like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And so it's cool to see that kind of runoff happening in Dallas and a little bit more art and, you know, up and coming businesses and things like that happening there because it is a really, really cool cool place, man. I mean, there's so much history there. You know, there's, I think people kind of assume Dallas is almost kind of like the, like the corporate version of Texas or something, but it's Mm -hmm. really got a lot of soul to it too, you know? Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I, I've heard those, those criticisms and I can see where their people are coming from with that too. But yeah, I feel like the more 
you know, as, as a city grows, there's like growing pains. And I think once a city kind of defines its identity and what it wants to be known for, like, I think Dallas is kind of there. And even though it does have a very long history, but I feel like there's been this much bigger push for art and culture and stuff like that. When I was in undergrad, I went to University of North Texas, which is like 45 minutes north of Dallas. And I remember when I moved away for grad school and came back, there was like so much progress within like downtown and like the design district. It's just areas where there's like more galleries popping up, more um, museum institutions, more push for like public art. So it's just really exciting to see. And it's really exciting as an artist to be a part of that. The area that my studio is in, it's called, uh, it's West Dallas, but it's called Trinity Groves, also known as Tin District or Slash Tin District. And it's also like, it's right across, there's a river that runs through Dallas and it's called the Trinity. And we are literally right across from downtown. So there's a lot of like downtown that's starting to spread over to the side. And they are, this area is still very like, kind of like being developed. And so there's, you know, of course, gentrification and stuff that comes with that. And, but there's still this very big push for like street art, mural art. There's this whole area right by my studio called Fabrication Yard where people who uh, write graffiti are welcome to come and just like not be bothered by cops or anything. You can just like tag on walls. So there's just this really cool like community, I think, that's building and pushing for the arts. And it's really, really nice to be a part of it because I feel like it's in its early-ish stages. So, you know, it's nice to be able to feel like you're making some kind of impact and contributing in that way. Yeah, that's super dope. I think that your art specifically, I mean, I think people kind of assume a certain aesthetic when they think about Texas, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think mm-hmm. that your art specifically really kind of helps kind of smash that that kind of <laughs> barrier, you know, because it's so different. Yeah. It's so different. And so it must be, you know, a really rewarding feeling to kind of not only be active, you know, in the in the contributing to the, the up and coming art scene in Dallas, but also just to be kind of expanding people's horizons of what, you you know, a Texas artist can produce, you know, because it's so different. Colors are so vibrant. And, you know, I I really want to get into your art, obviously, your technique and and your process. But, you know, just going back a little bit, when did you come from the Philippines to the States? So I was just a baby. My parents were refugees from Vietnam, post, you know, war refugees. Um, There's a whole, there's actually like a whole generation of kids that are just like me, where their parents came over, they escaped from boats, they're called boat people. And the story is basically like so my parents specifically they escaped and then they landed in the Philippines and of course other people landed in other places like there were other different refugee camps in the area like Malaysia Indonesia I think Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's what happened with us. We we bounced around quite a bit and then got to the Philippines. And then I guess from there, we're, we're sponsored. I'm still a little bit unsure about this part of, of well, you were <laughs> my history. Young. In your defense, you were pretty just, young. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when I asked, sometimes I asked my mom, it's kind of like it was not an easy time for her. Obviously, yeah. it was very, very dark, really tough. And so I, I know that you know, sometimes like when it's the right time, I'll, I'll talk to her about it, but I don't always want to bring it up just because I know it's like really hard. But from what I remember, if I remember correctly, we were sponsored into the U.S. My dad already had family in Houston. And so that's how we ended up in Texas, actually. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. That's a long, hard road, man. You know, props to your parents mm-hmm. for, for getting out and for, for making it to Texas, making it to Houston. That's really fucking cool. When you were growing up, did you, was there any sort of art flowing around the house or anything like that or kind of how did your your artistic kind of narrative take shape as a kid so my parents got divorced when i was like around 
I, when I was just a baby again, like I was like maybe two or something, they got divorced after we had come to America. And uh, my mom was, so she was a single mom for a while and she had this job. She, I think she's always, she's very creative. She's always been creative, but you know, as someone who's like a single mother trying to like survive and stuff, she didn't yeah. have a lot of free time, but she got this really cool job as like, I don't exactly remember what her title was, but basically she worked in this like small factory where everything that was produced, it was like handmade, like baby goods, like bibs and blankets and stuff. And it was all awesome. hand embellished. So she would take me to work with her sometimes. And I would just sit there and watch her paint and watch all these women paint. They'd all have like, you know, their, their desk and their brushes and their paints. And they had like a whole paint room. They had a dark room, a photography studio. Wow, what a cool and, job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was super cool. And I remember I loved going every time just cause like I could go and just watch everyone work and I could go into the paint room and just look at all the colors. And that made a really big impression on me as a kid. And then my mom, because she was very creative, she, when she found the time every year or so I would sit down and she would draw my portrait. And I remember every year being super excited for that time and like looking forward to it. And, you know, so those are some like early memories of like art being in my life, but we, we definitely never like went to art museums or anything like that. We never went to galleries. I didn't know about that world until I was much older, but I'm also, I think another thing that contributed was that I'm an only child. And so I had to basically learn to just entertain myself quite a bit. And I ended up making a lot of things all the time. So I think that's really how it was like nurtured. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, your mom sounds like an awesome woman, by the way. Yeah, that's incredible. So when you're when you're kind of taking shape and you're you start drawing and stuff like that, you know, when did that kind of happen? Or I know you went to art school. Was there a love for art before you went to school or did it all come together in school for you? Or did you kind of know, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to go to school and learn about it. I want to hone my craft. How did it kind of like level up from like just being an only child and entertaining yourself? Where did it go from there? So I... I, de- I mean, I definitely was always very creative. And so I, I drew a lot as a kid and I would, yeah, I would like just draw and I was never put into any like classes until maybe, I think until like middle school when, you know, the school like could offer you focus classes, like you could choose music or you could choose art yeah. as like electives or not electives, but you know, whatever. And that's when I started kind of like honing in on it. But I would say... I mean, I I pretty much always knew I wanted to make art. There were, as you know, as a kid, you go through like so many different things that you want to be. So I went, I went through a bunch. I was like, I want to be a veterinarian. I want to be a doctor. Of course, like my, my immigrant Asian mother loved hearing that, that I wanted to be a doctor. And so the shock of like, (laughs) yeah, the, the, the kind of like the budding of head that happened when I got to college and decided to do art you know, I think she knew for a long time, I knew for a long time that I wanted to do art after I got out of that doctor phase. But I think it was really, really kind of like a scary thing for her. But yeah, pretty much like when I got to high school, I was taking AP art classes. So it was very, very focused. It was like, you know, more than just like your regular art class. It was like more college geared or whatever. Then when I got to college or decide was starting to think about college, I was like, okay, well, how do I, how do I make this work? Like, I know my mom's not going to let me go and be a painter. So what can I do? And we kind of came to a compromise of doing graphic design. And so the school that I went to is really well known for graphic design. And, you know, she was like, okay, well, that sounds good. Like you can, you can make a living, you can still be creative. And I was like, okay, cool. So that was like, that's what we decided. And I got there and I did it for a year and it was a very, very hard year for me. I was just 
I was not into it. I couldn't do it. I was so used to using art as a means of expression, self-expression yeah. that, you know, and, and then learning that graphic design is very much catered to the client. It's, you know, they're coming to you for your style, your aesthetic, but it's very much about what the client wants. And I couldn't, I had a really hard time translating that, like my own self-expression and putting that secondary to something that a client would want. So basically we, you know, I told my mom after that year, I was like, I don't, I'm not, I can't do it. I will probably fail out of the classes if I continue put, trying to push it. And I was like, I really, really want to do fine art. And I had a few professors who were really, really encouraging me. They were, they were like my figure drawing professor and like another one. And they were just like, no, you definitely need to be doing fine art. This is where you should be. Quit graphic design, come to the dark side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I had a lot of positive encouragement and I took the plunge. My mom wasn't super happy about it, but I know now she's super happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's just kind of where it went from there. And then I actually decided to go to grad school because I, my backup plan or my, I guess my plan A was just go to grad school, get that degree. It's a terminal degree for fine arts. So I could go on to teach at a college level if I wanted to. And so that was kind of my plan. I was like, I'm just going to get this degree and I'm going to go and I'm going to try and adjunct and teach wherever I can. And I'm just going to use that as my main income. And I'm just going to keep making art. And I just, this is just going to be my life. And then it didn't really turn out that way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, the the art just kind of took off. It's so important, I think, when you get those, like, shout out to art teachers and people who aren't afraid to, like, kind of steer people, you know, more into their own individual path rather than just a secure situation where, you know, they're doing graphic design for corporate clients and, you know, maybe, maybe making a good living, but maybe not really reaching their full potential. You know what I mean? It's like, I think mm -hmm. that when you have that sort of mentorship and influence uh, creatively for someone with, you know, your skill and obviously your passion, that's so rad that you had that kind of, you know, extra guidance from teachers like that to kind of give you the confidence confidence to just say, Hey, I'm going to go for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely was. Yeah. If no one had been telling me like, this is what you're meant to do. I might not have, I could, you know, you can feel those things, but you don't, if someone doesn't verbalize it and give you that kind of like, I guess it's validation, you know, like they see your talent, they see your abilities. Yeah. It might not have happened. Well, it's different too. Cause sometimes you can like, it works the opposite way where you, you, you create stuff out of like, you know, everyone's telling me I can't do this. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> And that works, but it's also, it's it's like a whole different thing. It's more of like a destiny type thing when you have people telling you like, hey, go for this, you know, like we believe in you, you mm -hmm. can do it. And then you're almost like stepping into your own spotlight as an artist rather than like just trying to do stuff out of, you know, well, people tell me I can't, so I'm going to do it. A lot yeah. of people do that and it works, but I I think your method is, is more preferred, you know, it's more positive. It just <laughs> feels good, you know? Yeah. For sure. Right on, right on. So how did you, you know, <laughs> your work is, it really makes you feel something. And aesthetically, it's absolutely just striking and beautiful, the colors that you use and the shapes that you make. And I want to get into, obviously, you know, you got two shows that are kind of getting ready to close, right? You got the one in Dallas and then you have one in Aspen currently? Yes, I do. Yeah, I can speak a little bit about those. The So the Aspen one is more of the smaller pieces, right? Because I kind of want to work into to a subtle alchemy because that's like the big, that's the big dog. 
you know? So what's, uh, what's going on in Aspen? So Aspen is, it's a three person show with a gallery called Sky Gallery. It's my first time showing in Aspen. I normally show in like more major cities. I have a few mutual friends, mutual acquaintances with the owner of the gallery, Sky Gallery. Her name is Sky. And she invited me to, to show with her. And we, we tried to make it work quite a few times, but finally reached it to this point. And it's a three person show, all women artists. And we, yeah, we just like, we put it together. She curated it. You know, I sent her like, I think about like 40 pieces, 35 pieces, I think. And that's normally like, that is like a, my more classic gallery exhibition kind of thing. It's like, I make a lot of smaller, regular sized works and, you know, and they're all for sale and that whole thing. Like I mentioned, Aspen's the first, this is the first time I've shown there and the reception's been really good. I'm always really curious about like these smaller towns. Aspen has a reputation for being like really beautiful, but yeah. very like um, rich, you know, it's like a really rich town and people who go there, they ski and they vacation there. So it's kind of another first for me, like being in a place like that, where it's like seasonal, a seasonal kind of place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a really cool, you know, little spot and really kind of big, you know, in the arts and stuff like that. You know, you had Hunter Thompson lived out there, which was kind of like my, mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, Aspen must be cool if he's out, <laughs> if he's out there. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But that, that's rad. And all three female artists in the show, that's really, really cool. Shout out Sky Gallery for sure. And then, so when you do, when you're making these smaller pieces, you know, what goes into it? Because, I mean, and what do you, what do you call them? Are you calling them blobs? Are you calling them drips? Are you calling them squishes? <laughs> Let's just dive into all this because your work is so insane to me. It just, it makes me so happy. But I can't, when I try to describe it, I just can't. So I'm going to let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they are, they are definitely hard to describe. It's always such a weird thing when you meet somebody and they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm an artist. And they're like, well, what kind of, what do you make? And, and, you know, a lot of times people who aren't in the art world, like they're used to a certain kind of art, a more, more traditional art. So it's very hard to like verbalize a, a physical object that is like, for the most part, like pretty out of this world. It's like, so yeah. It's different like, looking, you know, yeah, it's like alien almost, yeah. but then it's like, I mean, it's, it could be, you know, from outer space, it could be from deep in the ocean. There's so many different places it could be, but they're all just, they make your brain just, they make your brain just go haywire. <laughs> yeah. When you mentioned the drips, squishes, blobs, that's kind of my attempt at organizing them in a certain way. So it's like they fit into like this, not world. I, I don't really necessarily have like a narrative for my work like that, but as a means of like being able to describe them. So drips are my sculptures that sit on the shelf and they hang over the, the ledge like the, the edge of a, of a shelf. Squishes are my fully in the round 360 sculpture. So they're completely freestanding. And then blobs are my sculptures that uh, hang on a wall. So they're wall mounted pieces, but they're all, they're still all very sculptural, very dimensional. But yeah, that's just kind of how I've like, they're fun, kind of like onomatopoeia kind of sounding names that are playful. And it just seems like a fun way to describe them, you know, keep yeah, it organized. I was, at, I was looking at some of your work and, you know, some ones that stood out to me were, uh, we got undertone, we got fresh, letting it all hang out is amazing. And nonverbal is another one that's really amazing. If, if you guys are listening out there, um, you know, you can go to danlam.com and check out all of her work because it really is absolutely incredible. And of course, Instagram as well. What's your Instagram again? <laughs> My Instagram is so popomo. So popomo. 
I was yeah. wondering, I was wondering if I was saying that right. I got it right. Yeah. I got it right in my head. So I'm looking at, yeah, undertone. That's almost like has like a spherical kind of like dome, like with holes in it type thing. And then nonverbal, mm-hmm. it's so crazy how you put the smooth, you put the, the more spiky kind of layer on top of all the smooth stuff. It just, it does look like alien to me. You know, it's just like, it, it looks, mm-hmm. but the colors are so insanely vibrant and beautiful. In my mind, like this is the way, the way you look at the world. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you just must be so bored looking at stuff. (laughs) When you're in art school and they're trying to like tell you about, you know, the old masters or just some stuff that maybe, you know, you're not into and you're just on this whole nother realm. Do you think the way you create, you know, or do you, are, are, is this just kind of what you're into artistically? You know, that's hard. I don't, I'm, uh, it's a weird when question, said, right? It's like, I, yeah. you know, I just like, it's so, <laughs> what you do is so different. I just, it just makes me, I can't help but think that the way, you know, that you kind of approach life or think about life or at least think about art is different because it, it definitely shows in your work, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely, as a little, like, you know, little fun fact, my, so I was an undergrad, I went to art school and during undergrad, I, I was a painting and drawing major. So that's what I switched to after graphic design. And so that's very 2D, right? That's like paintings, drawings. And I remember there was like a kind of a catalyst moment in undergrad where I was learning about, I was in an art history class and we were talking about the Impressionists and we were talking about how at the time the Impressionists were not embraced at all by their peers. They were not liked. They weren't shown in the salons. They were not socially accepted. They were kind of like art world pariahs. People didn't like them. They didn't like the work. It was too weird. It was too out there. And I remember hearing of my professor, whoever it was, talking about the way they use paint was, it was like, they were. it wasn't about trying to capture the likeness of a person or a landscape. It was about capturing light and movement. And so it's almost like there was this transition, right? And how they were thinking and seeing, and they were using paint in a way that allowed them to capture those fleeting moments. And that's why it's just an impression. It's just like a moment, right? And I loved the idea of this idea of using paint in a way that isn't like, so paint is paint. Paint is a color. It's it's a liquid. It is its own thing, its own object. And, you know, we're so we prior to this, we were so used to using it to mimic the real world, to create the most realistic portrait we could, the most realistic landscape, the most realistic, you know, still life. And all of a sudden it's like paint was free. They, the impressionists freed paint to be paint almost like they got real thick with it. They got gestural with it. And I just love this idea of having a material that's used for one thing traditionally and taking it and just kind of pushing its boundaries, you know? And so that was definitely like a, like a moment for me. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> this is amazing. It's brilliant. And I remember at that point, like I, it also kind of came together. It was like a meeting point of different things happening where I was very much questioning, like what constitutes a painting? Like, what is it the paint? Is it the surface? Is it, you know, canvas? Is it panel? What are the things that makes a painting? And so I just, I just kept pushing that. And then I started trying to paint with, without paint. And that's kind of where the journey started was like, I just, I am very into like non-traditional things. I really, really like unexpected things. I like being surprised. I like having my expectations subverted. I love that kind of stuff. So that's what I started doing. I was just like, well, I want to paint, but I want it to be 
just beyond what we're used to seeing. So it, it touched, it, de- it definitely like what you said earlier about, you know, what you're seeing in my work. I think that definitely like applies. Yeah. So that's kind of like, that's how I've approached a lot of things as I've moved forward with my art career, with my work, the evolution of my work. I'm very much about materials and like what they can do. And then So for example, I use polyurethane foam for a lot of my bases. Polyurethane foam, when I first found it, like, I don't know, when I first started using it like six or seven, eight years ago, you know, the only way I found it was through boat, like marine supply shops. It was used as a, to fill boats with, to make them float. And then I learned that, you know, it's also applied as insulation. You can use it on roofs. So there's, there's different like functional applications of polyurethane foam, but I was really interested in it as a material. So I started playing with it, started experimenting with it, seeing what it could do. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's just so many, there's so many possibilities here. Like I want to really push it. And so, you know, that led me down like a rabbit hole and then now here I am using it as like my primary base material. So I just, I really enjoy finding materials and playing with them and understanding them and like basically turning the expectations of that material into something different. Like people see it and they maybe recognize the material, but they are not immediately like, oh, that's that or that's that. It's what is it? What is it this? Is it that? I like the questioning. I like the curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's amazing. And that, that was a, a really, really cool answer. And it's like, I, I really dig, you know, that you do push the boundaries. And with the polyurethane foam, it's like, it it is crazy because looking at your work, like that's what you wonder. You're like, what is that? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like what is that made of? What is that made of? What like because I and I because I've never seen your work in person. So I'm like, I don't know what the texture is. And I don't know. Like it's so, it's so cool to just look at and just wonder. And then it's like when you're looking at some of your smaller works, what do you call the ones that that don't hang off the shelf? What what like uh is that, a, is that a squish? The squishes. Okay, so yeah. the squishes almost, you look like, it looks like this little thing that you want to walk inside. You know what I mean? Some of them have these little mm-hmm. kind of access, you know, holes or whatever that you think you could like kind of cruise inside and, and, and be inside this little world. And so the natural elevation of your work getting bigger um, is super, super exciting to me. And so I know mm-hmm. that you've got, uh, I, I'm don't quote me on it, but I think it's your biggest piece. Is that what's going on in, in Dallas right now? Yeah, so um, it is my biggest piece. Yeah, it's eight and a half feet tall. Um, It is, I have done previously large pieces, but I've always worked with fabricators to make those happen. And they've always been sponsored by something. So it's always been like, either commissioned or sponsored. And this piece is I completely funded it myself. Um, yeah. I, I worked on every every step of it, you know. Um, so it's very like it has a, a more personal element to it, and yeah, it, all, it also is the the biggest one. <laughs> that's amazing, and that's called a subtle alchemy, right? And where's that at? Yes, it's at the National Sculpture Center in downtown Dallas. Does it light up, or is that just a reflection of the paint? <laughs> so it does light up. Um, this so this is like uh, the newest kind of like element that I threw into, into my work. Um, I've never done anything digital before. And so this piece is the biggest one. And, um, I, I learned a bunch of new materials for it too. Like I used, uh, automotive body paint to paint it and it's a, I painted it with a chameleon finish. So, um, for those of you that aren't familiar, like it's most commonly used on, on cars, but a chameleon finish is basically a color shifting pigment. So if you look at it on one angle, it may look blue and then you walk around the object and it may turn into like orange, gold, green. So 
um, it's a really cool and interesting pigment. And, um, so I used that on this big piece and then I decided I wanted to throw in like a little extra something, little, you know, little sprinkles on top. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I hired a digital projection mapping artists. Um, and they created as a, a brand new animation for my piece. And then it's been projected on there. So it's projected with three different, um, projectors. And so you can fully walk around the sculpture and you can see the projections happening. And basically it just makes the piece look like it's moving and melting. It's very trippy. And that's, that's kind of like the, I don't know, like the, the main thing I really wanted to do was I mean, obviously there's a lot of things I wanted to do with this piece and accomplish with it, but I think one of the really fun things that I think about when I think about this piece living in a museum right now is that, you know, a lot of times like museums, they don't bring in, they don't always bring in like a very young audience. It's a very like, you know, more mature, older mm -hmm. audience. And I just love the idea of putting something in there that, you know, like some, like a 70 year old person walks by and they're like, what's happening in that? And they're like, <laughs> it's almost like, it's almost like they're tripping, but without, without actually taking anything, you know, it's like, yeah. they look at it and they're like, is it color changing? It is that, is it changing because of where I'm standing? Is it changing because of the projections on there and all those kinds of same questions of curiosity of like, what's it made of, but like on this whole new level of like, what's actually happening in the piece right now. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing energy around it. You know, it's like I can imagine being at the gallery and then you walk into that. It's almost like, you know, when you it's like when you watch like a like a, a movie where there's like, a, you know, some type of alien or something like that. And like people are kind of like walking around it kind of like, you know, so intrigued, but also a little nervous. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, you know, they're like, like, what's going on? Is this thing, you know, it, it just looks, it looks absolutely incredible. So congratulations, because it's absolutely amazing. I wish I could see it in real life. Uh, hopefully one day I do. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's insane. And then, so I've seen on your Instagram too, you know, speaking of some, some of the bigger works, and I don't even know if it's real because in this day and age, you know, you, with digital art and real art, it's hard to tell sometimes on, on your cell phone, but like when you're doing like stuff that's overhanging galleries or, or, or on the outside of buildings, is that stuff real? It's not real yet. <laughs> it's going to happen though, right? It's going to yes. happen. Cause that's where, cause that's where I was kind of going with this because this is what really excites me about your work and, and seeing as it gets bigger and bigger, because I'm a big fan of architecture and I can only imagine like if someone just gave you the, the reins and the budget to design a, like an entire building, like just mm -hmm. how insane that would be and how, uh, like amazing it would be is that somewhere you know down the road for you as your work kind of just uh, you know continues to kind of progress is that something you have any kind of remote interest in because that stuff that you posted where your work's kind of hanging off the outside of buildings and stuff like that I mean that is awesome um yes it absolutely is I I would be thrilled to do something like that it's all it's definitely on the list of goals um yeah I I love playing with scale. That's, I think that contributes to that whole, like, you know, the unexpected element. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I, a while back, uh, I Photoshopped a few pictures of my pieces onto buildings, just various different buildings. And, you know, I just kind of like wanted to put it out there like anyone, yeah. cause sometimes, you know, like it's hard to, uh, we mentioned it's hard to describe my work. And so it's like, well, you know, like maybe I just put out these images and it starts to get it gets people thinking about it and seeing it as like something real, something possible. Yep. And, um, 
yeah, so that's ultimately what I'm working towards is to get to do something like that. But actually fully designing a building would be amazing. I think there's so many different avenues I could take with that. And I think it could be so cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I, mean, and, I and would love to be, like you know, they got to, we got to reach out to someone with that big budget money, <laughs> like Google or something. They need like a, they need like an artist wing on their compound and they just need to let you just go for it. That would be so sick. Well, if you know anyone at Google, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can, uh, I'll see if I could drum that up <laughs> for you. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we're taking a quick commercial break to celebrate the fact that spring is in the air and summer is on the way. And that means backyard parties. And you can't have a backyard party without a backyard lemonade cocktail by Sailor Jerry. All it takes is two parts Sailor Jerry spiced rum, four parts fresh lemonade. Pour the Sailor Jerry in a cocktail glass full of ice, pour the lemonade on top, garnish with a fresh lemon, and enjoy the party. Now back to the show. What do you think about uh, the whole NFT space that's happening right now? Have you thought about jumping into that? Because obviously illustration and, and, and kind of like what you're saying with your, with your bigger piece, um, you know, bringing in kind of the, the projection and, and kind of bringing it to life. Um, you know, seeing some of your work, it, it, watching it like move and breathe and maybe take over a building or or something like that like do you ever are you working on any nft stuff do you care about that stuff kind of where you stand on that um so i definitely am interested in it when i thought about the projection mapping on this big piece i thought that might make it like a nice segue into like the the even like fully digital uh world um i i think for me it's really important for it to be um for it to fall naturally into the evolution of my work. Um, I think there's definitely like no shade at all to, to any artist who's doing NFTs. Like, I think it's really cool. I love that. It's like so new and different. I mean, NFTs have been around for a little bit, but just like the, how the art world has like taken off with Mm -hmm. it, with this, this new thing. Um, but I just feel like sometimes, you know, maybe some of the NFTs I've seen, like they're not as, they don't progress the artist's body of work as well as, it maybe could. Um, and I think for me personally, like I, even if I end up missing on the missing out on like the bubble, if it is a bubble or whatever it is, if I miss out on it, not a big deal. Um, but it needs to feel like, right. It needs to feel natural. It needs to make sense with my work. So I definitely am thinking about it. And I think that with this big piece and the projections on it, I think that is like a good stepping stone. But yeah, like I think I'm just going to play around with it. I I just finished the big piece and then just got it installed and, you know, I had the show. So now I have a little bit more time to think and experiment with it. And it's also a matter of finding like the right 3D artist to collaborate with, you know, someone who gets gets my work and would, able, would be able to do it justice in that way um, is also really important to me. So. Yeah, I'm open to it. I I like that it's like different and not your traditional art world, you know, gallery scene or auction scene or whatever. Um, and the more power the artists can get, the better. So I think it's really cool that a lot of artists are doing it and like they're they're being they're really successful at it. Um, and especially for digital creators, like you know, I think for a very long time, like we see digital art all the time on Instagram, on social media, and those artists probably have a harder time showing in physical galleries, you know, cause they're in the digital world. So it's really cool that now there's this platform for them to actually make like money and more money and, um, have like yeah. a really legit, like 3d art career. 
Yeah, I agree with that. It is cool, you know, seeing some of the digital, uh, you know, creators get some love and, and get some appreciation. You know, I think so much uh, in the age of, you know, uh, endless, you know, content, it's just so much stuff I think is just assumed to be free, you know, like so much stuff is just mm -hmm. assumed to be like given to just be something you look at on your phone or, or something that's just you know, worthy of, you know, 10 seconds of your time or whatever. So I do, you know, I, I do enjoy seeing, uh, you, you know, people get, you know, a little bit more love, appreciation, respect, and of course, you know, some some of that good old fashioned money uh, for the hard work that they do, um, especially in the creative realm, you know, because there's so much, I feel like as the world kind of gets more and more and more advanced, um, you know, I think that the appreciation levels are so hot and cold with with all of the mm -hmm. arts, you know, and, and, and with appreciation, unfortunately, a lot of times money is attached to that level, you know, so it's like, it's really cool to see, um, you know, the NFT kind of, you know, world, you know, exploding and digital creators getting their props, but I do 100% agree with you. And I love how in touch you are with your own uh, path creatively and how, you know, you obviously love what you do. You love creating, uh, you, you know, you love pushing the envelope, but you also seem very mindful of, of your path and, and what you want to do. And you're very conscious about not really sacrificing it if it doesn't feel right or fit the way you want it to fit, which I think is really cool. Well, thank you. It, yeah, it, it's very, it's very intuitive. Like you said, it's like, it has to feel right. And while I would love like to make some, some coins to fund like the next, you know, big, big thing. Um, yeah. I don't want to just push something out that doesn't contribute to, to the overall body of work, you know? Yeah. How long, what, what was the process going into, going into uh, subtle alchemy? How long did it take to build that? It took about three months of like every working every day on it. Um, I had help with, uh, a good friend of mine. He's another artist. His name is Will Harpum or he goes by Warren. My apologies. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he helped me, um, work on it pretty much like two and a half months. Um, it was a lot of, it was very intense work. It was a very, very physical, like there were days where we would be standing forever. You would go home and just be like so tired. And, you know, I think a lot of times like art can be very physical. It just depends, I guess, on your medium and stuff. And I'm used to like working, like spending long days in the studio, standing, you know, ha being physical, squatting up and down, doing things. But this was like another level of um, like physicality yeah. that is, is satisfying. Like it was, it's, it adds, it just adds to like the overall like pride that I feel in the piece because it's like, wow, like there's literally like a lot of sweat put into that piece and it just feels good to then like, you know, have it get out of like this dusty, dirty warehouse and into like this fine art institution, you know? Yeah. You know, I think that's, it's cool to, to know, you know, how long a piece like that takes. And it's like, I, I really appreciate that about your work, how kind of hands-on it is. And, and just talking to you about the process and learning about, you know, like the foam and, and, and everything like that, the steps you take and the work you put into it um, is, is just super, super cool, you know? And uh, I'm really stoked for you. I'm excited to see where you go next. What do you think you're going to do next? What's, what's kind of the next move for you? Oh, I don't know. I would really like to do like, so like we mentioned, like lar a large scale, like outdoor sculpture. I think I, I can definitely see my work going more into 
or becoming more insulation like type of experiences, you know, like maybe creating like a whole room that's it's not just like, you know, my work on shelves or pedestals. It's like an entire like an entire space that these things live in, you know, like something more immersive, something like that. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to do something like that, but I think that would be really, really cool. And I might, I I have ideas for like, so next year I have a couple of solo shows planned. Um, one is, uh, with Stephanie Schaefer's projects in Portland in March. And then I have a solo in LA, which maybe, yeah. (laughs) Um, it's in, it's with Hashimoto Contemporary and it's in October, tentatively October of next year. So I have plans for um, like bigger, I want to do like a big wall piece, like one that's like essentially inspired by a subtle alchemy, um, like just big wall pieces of drips. And so basically they can, they can be like mounted onto walls. They act as like nice kind of environments for the work. Um, so that's kind of like maybe like my first baby step or step into like yeah. that kind of immersive uh, experience. And then I don't know, you know, I definitely like large stuff. I can see, I can definitely see utilizing projection mapping again. I was really, really happy with how my piece turned out. And I was like, you know, that could be like a whole new thing that I could add to my work. And one of the projection mappers that I was working with, he um, he knows how to make things like interactive. So it's like, I'm sure you've seen it on social media, but it's like, if someone walks into a room or they step on the ground, like their footstep affects like the ground. It makes it look like maybe it's rippling or there's colors that change. And so I think that would be really fun to play with um, some of my like larger scale pieces again, like, but making it interactive this time where like your presence actually affects the piece. I had these um, a few years, like a few years ago, I did these pieces that were made with thermochromatic paint and thermochromatic paint essentially is like mood ring. It's like the mood ring material. So you touch it and and your, your heat like changes the colors. And I love the idea of that, that like someone physically in a room could with their own body heat could affect the, a change within a piece of art. And, um, but it never really, like, I couldn't ever really get it to that point because, you know, the pieces are small and they actually have to touch the art and in a gallery, you can't really touch the art. So it was like an idea that, that happened and wasn't ever fully fulfilled. So I think, um, if I'm able to do interactive stuff on this scale with like projection mapping and bigger pieces, I think I could like start to play with that idea more. And, um, I don't know. That seems really exciting to me that like, yeah, that seems super exciting you know, especially with your work. Just that that's perfect. Yeah. You know, I, I get so much feedback from my shows or like, you know, people really, really want to touch the work. They're always so curious about what it feels like. Um, you know, they're, it's like their, their senses are heightened. Like they want to experience the work beyond just seeing it. They want to like touch it, get close to it, be with it. And I want to, the, the, one of the more unexpected things that has happened with like the more I show my work is how much more important the audience, the viewer is to me. Cause you know, like a lot of times you make work and it is for like, at least for me, it is for me. But the more I realize like that, I, when I put this out into the world, like there are people who they love it or they just want to like figure it out. They just want to like be a part of it. And I love that excitement. So I, I feel like I think about that a lot more now. Like I think about like, the, the viewer, the person, the experience. Um, and so, yeah, to be able to like, I don't know, play with projection mapping, interactive stuff like that, and just play with that unexpected. Um, I don't know. There's something really exciting about that. So I'm, I'm thinking like maybe more of that. Um, there's a lot of different avenues I want to 
go down. Yeah, I think we're we're all really excited about that because I mean, the interactive stuff, the you know, the room kind of immersion stuff, that sounds all, you know, super incredible from a fan perspective. Um, you know, and I think it's cool too that, you know, it's a natural progression to work for yourself first and then you get to a point where, you know, you don't feel compromised like you're working for other people, but you're able to have that separation mm. in your work where you're like, okay, you know, now that I know what I'm doing and I'm confident and I'm working, I work for myself first. I love art. It's self-expression to me, but you know, I also have these awesome people who are into what I do. So let me think about them a little bit now that I'm settled mm -hmm. in and, and let's take my experience even further. You know, I think that's so dope. And I think people are going to really reap the rewards of that because the, honestly, there, I think there's so much, you know, more, uh, you know, that's, that's to come with your work and, and I'm super excited about it. Um, what are, uh, who are some other artists out there that you, that you love right now? Ooh, what a good question. Um, so as far as like, like peers, like people around my age and stuff, age group, um, Ooh, there's this one really, really great artist. Her name is Grace Lee Lawrence. Um, I think she's based out of New York. I don't, I don't know if it's New York City, but it, I know it's New York. Um, and she does these large scale sculptures. They're kind of like surrealist, um, sculptures. They're just so cool. They draw from like real life imagery, but they're like, you know, that again, the unexpected, um, there's just like something very, I don't know. I just want to stare at them for a really long time. I, it, again, yeah. it's hard to describe like a, a visual thing, but she also plays a lot with, um, so she does these large scale sculptures, but then she does a lot of 3d printing and, um, she makes these really beautiful, like smaller scale versions of her work with 3d prints. And, um, the, the artist that I worked with for the projection mapping, he does a lot of 3d printing and I, you know, I've been around it a lot more recently and it just gives me like this much larger appreciation of what goes into 3d printing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really like, and then now when I see her work, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the model that that she had to make for that and to get it to work that way. So her work is really cool, really interesting, very different. Um, I also really like, uh, she's actually a friend of mine. Her name is Jazz Harold. Um, she is an artist also, she's based in New York city. Um, she makes really cool. She does a lot of like mold making. And so she uses a lot of silicones. She mixes a lot of materials with like, um, she uses fabrics and she sews. So I like a lot of like, you know, multi-material yeah. mixed media type of works. Um, and mold making is a really, it's an art form in and of itself. It's such a complex thing. And it's so cool when you can see someone make like a really awesome mold of something. Oh, I mean, I love Felipe Pantone's work. He's like, you yeah, know, I, I love, insane. yeah, he's awesome. And it's just like the, the amount, like how he pushes his boundaries and like where his work goes, how applicable it is on a large, large scale to so many different things. Like, I think that's really awesome. Like that's like thinking big, you know? Yeah. And, um, and even just like when you look at what his studio looks like and his he has a whole team of people, he's producing a lot of things in house. I think that's awesome. Cause that gives you so much creative control. Um, you know, stuff like that. That's, I think that's super cool and inspiring. Um, and then of course, you know, there's like the classic artists that I love, like James Terrell is one. I'm always like, checking in to see if Rodan Crater is anywhere close to <laughs> being, being finished. Um, and then there's like Oliver Eliason, 
is Icelandic, I believe. Yeah. Um, but he is also that, makes is that really, the dude really beautiful. That like does like the full, like he like he's got something going right now where he like flooded, he like flooded a gallery. He like just kind of does the full on installations type stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's his work for sure. It's so cool because it is, it's like this fully immersed thing. I went to the Tate pre-COVID 2019 and he had at the Tate Modern, he had a a full like exhibition there. It was like a retro, I don't know if it was retrospective, but it was very, very much like early works until like most recent works. And I've seen a show of his before here in Dallas um, at the Dallas Museum of Art. And both times it was probably like 12 years apart, but both times I was just blown away. Yeah. And I just like, I, I didn't walk into it thinking the second time at the Tate, I didn't walk into it thinking like, I'm going to be blown away the same way. Like I just, cause I've seen his work. I know it now. The first time I didn't know his work. So it was very much like everything was a surprise, but again, it happened again. I was like, Oh my God, like <laughs> you got me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's like, that's, that's the kind of thing. Like I don't make work exactly like that and in, in in that way but I love like the experience that he has created for people it's like it makes you think about it I think about that thing like I think about those installations all the time like my mind just goes back to it and how I felt and like the the awe and the wonder and I think what it is is like when you're a kid and you watch kids, they're so curious about so many things. They're always asking questions. They're always trying to like investigate and learn. And I think that sense of wonder, it doesn't necessarily die, but it like becomes almost stifled by other things like grown up life, you know? So you're not constantly like looking at like this tiny little bee and watch what it, you know, watch it do its job. Like you're not always doing that. But I think when you can find an artist that gives you that kind of experience where you are like, a little kid again, and you're just like blown away by everything that you're seeing as if it's brand new. Um, I think that's like a really, really good artist. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And honestly, that's, that's what I get out of your art. It's like, it's, it's just, you oh. look at it and you get, you do, you just get, uh, you know, you, you just get happy and it just kind of like, it, it breaks you down in a way that feels so good. You know what I mean? Cause it's just like, it's just great. Um, you know, so, so you're definitely, you know, you're definitely on the path. I mean, I'm so excited to see what the, uh, what the future holds for you and your work. Um, you know, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer here, but I do want to ask, you know, out, outside of art, you know, what are, what are some of your hobbies and interests that, that your stuff that you're into outside of art? Oh, I love this question. Um, I, so I like, I love this question because I definitely, my life is very much like every, I think everything inspires you like as an artist, right. Or as mm -hmm. any kind of creative, like, I feel like your life sh should, or is like your like source. Um, so for me, I, I really, I really enjoy weightlifting. I lift a lot. Um, and that's like a part of just keeping myself healthy. Um, I love like the outdoors. I love hiking, you know, doing like road trips, getting to yeah. know like a, like a landscape, like that kind of thing. Um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks like while I'm in the studio. Um, I really enjoy that. I love it's usually like <laughs> it's usually just like crime thrillers. Um, right now I'm listening to Silence of the Lamb. Um, oh, Lambs. nice. Yeah, so that's that's kind of exciting. Audio, <laughs> just audiobooks you know, I are the best. <laughs> audiobooks are serious. They are. I okay, so I you know I I and it's it's I mean it is I guess kind of cheating, but I I don't know I'm I don't even think it's cheating anymore because I you know I got the for example I get Keith Richards from the Rolling Stone for Rolling Stones he wrote this book and it's like it's like fucking a zillion pages you know and it's mm. like 
I got the audio book and it, <laughs> do you do this where have you ever bought the book and not read it and then got the audio book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've, sometimes I've been doing I think that like, all the time. <laughs> sometimes I think like I give myself like the benefit of, like of believing that maybe I'll sit down and follow along as they read. So I'm still getting like the reading part of it, but I don't I never do it. It never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Audio audiobooks are are amazing. I just went through uh the, the old the Anthony Bourdain Kitchen Confidential. That one's so great because it's read by him. It's so good. Uh, and then right now I'm listening to uh, this. It's like a kind of a self-help thing called The Four Agreements. It's just it's an old, old book about just, you know, being a good person. So that's always good stuff to listen to. You know, it's cool. It's almost meditative in a way, you know? Yeah, it's like, it, I totally agree. It can You can kind of zone out with it. Like it's not you're still retaining the information. Like I still walk away every time, like knowing the story, but it's like, you can do like not repetitive tasks, but yeah, you, you keep your hands busy and then like your mind's active with like, you know, the, the story that's being told. Um, yeah, it's such a, it's just such a great, like thing. I used to, I actually used to just listen, listen to TV shows, like shows that I, I'm, uh, like really familiar with like the office or like, Oh, it's always sunny. Um, cause you know, they're like funny. So you don't have to really follow along with any kind of yeah. plot. Yeah. Um, but then I got, I just watched it so, or listened to them so much that I was like, okay, maybe it's time to like expand my horizons. And, and then I found audiobooks, and then I was like, Oh yeah. Crime thrillers all the way. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's the best. It really is the best. Yeah, the the uh, you know reading nothing against reading out there, everybody. I know we all we all love <laughs> yeah. to read, but you know sometimes it's it's all about the audiobooks for me. I got to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Awesome, awesome, Dan Lamb. I I uh, you know we're we just hit an hour, so that's absolutely fucking beautiful. I've had uh, you know such an incredible time talking to you. It's so cool uh, for me to be able to talk to artists that I really appreciate and admire, and kind of dive into the process of, of how you create what you create. So thank you so much for, for giving us your time here on the Sailor Jerry podcast. Really, really appreciate what you do and uh, wish you nothing but uh, the best of luck uh, in the future. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed speaking with you and um, yeah, I'm so glad we were able to make it happen. I love how like spontaneous it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, October, Next year, LA swings around, hopefully, you know, traveling and all that. Hopefully the world will be in a way better place. Be good to meet up in person and see some of your work. Uh, Really, really hope that happens. And uh, good luck with, uh, you know, the upcoming shows and work and all that good stuff. Uh, You know, have fun in Dallas. And uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap on episode 12 of the Sailor Jerry podcast. As always, much love and appreciation and a huge shout out for our special guest, Dan Lamb. You can follow her at Sopopomo on Instagram. That's S-O-P-O-P-O-M-O. Sopopomo on Instagram. Follow us at Sailor Jerry at 213 Matman. Don't forget that Sailor Jerry Spiced Rum is made the old school way. 92 proof, bold and smooth as hell. Peace.